I don't mind making up my own holidays. Um, it's uh, not Festivus. That's certainly not one of them. But, um, you know, the, so welcome to the fifth Sunday of Advent. And uh, we're, I'm, I'm glad you're here. What we've been doing is looking at, uh, oh, I should go to the next one, the star. The star has been our, our theme for this. Um, it's kind of a double meaning, as you know, when we've been going through this, uh, using the star that appeared to guide the Magi. Um, you know that that was there as well as you know the stable which led them to the, the that star in the sky led them to the true star which was residing in the stable that night and that's what we celebrate at christmas we've already looked at four realities uh, that can be ours because jesus has come uh, one is the fact that uh, hope you know we have hope of to to the doubting and the fearful we have love when it's least expected and uh, but when we need it most, joy even in the face of struggles. And last week we looked at peace in the midst of turmoil. And today we're looking at light to guide our journey through life. Let's pray and we're going to get into our passage this morning. Father, thank you for the way in which you give guidance and direction. I thank you we can say all is well when we're with you. Not because of the outside circumstances, not because of of what goes on in this world, certainly. In, in many ways, it slaps us in the face against that. But the reality that you are here, that you are alive, that you came, that you, that you lived your life among us, for us, and gave your life for us, Father, what a, great, what a great reality we get to celebrate today. So I pray that you would help us to understand a little bit more of, of, of that love. That as we look into your word, that you would make that alive and real within us. Not just something that, uh, not some of this old familiar stuff, but, uh, but a real connection with you. So enlighten our minds. We need that, that you to do that for us. And this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 1. I'm glad to see that slide because as I was standing here, I wasn't sure I put it in there. Uh, John chapter 1, it's on page 975 in the Pew Bible. Uh, this is the, the, uh, uh, a different view, if you will, of the birth of Christ. It's a, it's a whole different viewpoint on his birth. Uh, it starts much earlier than the announcement to Mary and the announcement to Joseph and the shepherds. Uh, but but it is... It is um, it's kind of like a heavenly picture, if you will, a heavenly viewpoint of the birth of Christ. It's kind of a, a I, well, I was going to say a cool thing. It is. I, I like it. Verse 1 in the Gospel of John, very first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. 
who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this is the one whom I said, the one coming after me has surpassed me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Now, this is a picture of, of Jesus' birth. This is a picture of, of, of Jesus' coming. But again, from that, from that heavenly perspective, there, is, uh, there are absolutely no details here about Joseph and Mary, no mention about angels and shepherds, nothing about the magi and the star. <coughs> but he does mention light. Look at verse 4. Keep your Bible open because I'm, I'm going to keep pulling you back into this as we go through the message. Uh, but verse 4 there, he says, Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. Uh, that, like, we're going to look at some truths that this passage reveals about this light of men on this final Sunday before Christmas. The first here is that what it says right there, light brings life. It says life was in him. Life is in him. It's not only that past tense, it's that present reality as well. Life is in him. It's not something... Uh, you know, life is not, we need to grasp this particularly at Christmas time. Life was not something he took on in the stable. Do you get that? Life was not something that he took on in the stable. He took on flesh in the stable. You know, but, but life, he always possessed life. He always had life. In the stable, we, are, we celebrate the incarnation, the enfleshment, the taking on of flesh there. And Jesus' birth was not his beginning. You know, we get too used to thinking that way because we think of birth as the beginning, you know, because we think of human birth. But, but the birth in Bethlehem, it was not his beginning, but it was his revealing. It was the enablement for us to be able to see him. For us to be able to, to, to recognize him, you know, it was that taking on of flesh, not taking on of life, not his beginning, simply his revealing. He was already there. Notice what it says. In the beginning was the word. He was already there in the beginning. Any beginning, every beginning, any beginning that you can imagine, he was already there. It doesn't say he became. He says he was there. He was there at the beginning, any, every beginning. Now, you need to have a beginning, you know, yet, yet there needs to be one without a beginning. Uh, one without a beginning defies our logic. In our logic, everything has a beginning. You know, so one without a beginning defies our logic, yet one without a beginning is also very much fits our logic. Because not only do we think everything has to have a beginning, we think everything has to have a greater cause. There has to be something, you know, if, if, this, if this pew is here, that ha- it's there because somebody made it, because somebody did it. If the building is here, it's here because somebody built the building. You have your car because somebody put the car together. You have your house because somebody put the house together. You have a road because somebody put that road down. You have lights because somebody ran, that, ran, ran those wires because somebody installed that light. And, you have those, and that fits our logic. It fits our logic that there has to be a greater cause, you see. 
So not only is it, does it defy logic because we talk about somebody without a beginning, but it also fits our logic because in our logic there has to be a greater cause. There has somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, something or someone had to be first. I were told very clearly who that is. In the beginning was the word. He was already here. You know, he... He's not only here at the beginning, you know, but he's the creator, which leads us to another truth, and that's that light brings power. Light brings power. Look at verse 3. All things were created through him. Without him, nothing was created that has been created. You see, there it is, that first cause, there, that, that first thing, that, that eternality of him. Verse 5, it says, That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Throughout the Gospel, throughout the Gospel of John, he contrasts light and darkness. In the third chapter of John, when Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, Nicodemus, interestingly enough, also came at night. Uh, Nicodemus is wrestling, he's wrestling with, with what Jesus told him. And then we read in verse 19 of that chapter, it says, This then is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. John has that contrast between light and darkness, between good and evil. And he says, And men loved darkness. The light has come into the world, but men loved darkness. I I feel like I'm yelling. Just excited, that's all. Uh, yeah, the uh, 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 light has come into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, you see. And it's, and, and it, what are most crimes committed at night? Because men love darkness because their deeds are, and, you know, you try to hide it. Throughout the gospel, you know, John contrasts those. Um, we're also told. When Jesus made one of his I am statements in, in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, that contrast between light and darkness there. One of the most striking, one of the most striking pictures to me is at the Last Supper, when Judas refuses Jesus' offer to turn back and repent. And, and you, you see... God always gives people an opportunity to repent, always. You see that all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis, when, when, uh, when man sinned and God came and he says, Adam, where are you? God was not looking for information. God knew where he was. He knew exactly where Adam was. He was giving Adam that opportunity to step up and say, I, 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 I did what you told me not to do. When he said to Eve, what have you done? He wasn't looking for, he wasn't looking for you know, information. It wasn't a quiz. He was giving her that opportunity to repent. And here you have at the Last Supper, and at the Last Supper, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Now, if that was you, wouldn't you start thinking, oh, dude, he knows. I need to, I need to fess up here. Yeah. And nothing. And then he says, you know, the one I dipped the bread in, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna do that. And then, you know, when, it, it, well, it, when we have this verse, after receiving the piece of bread, Judas went out, and immediately it was night. You have that contrast between light and darkness there. John carries that, you know, he carries that throughout, throughout his gospel. A contrast from the gospel of Matthew to me is quite powerful. 
And this comes at the other end of Jesus' life. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. At about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And for a while it looked like darkness had won. In fact, for three days it looked like darkness had won. But at the end of those three days, the light of the world stepped out of the grave and back into the world that he had created. Exactly what we see here in John chapter 1, that Jesus is more powerful than any darkness. The darkness could not overcome him. The darkness could not, cannot overcome him. Jesus is more powerful than any darkness. He is more powerful than any darkness you may be facing. He is more powerful than that. He is more powerful than any darkness that you might find in yourself. And that can be frightening. The light of the world brings power into your life. The light of the world also brings clarity. The light of the world brings clarity. In John chapter 1 here, we're introduced to John the Baptist. That's the John referred to in verse 6. It gets a little confusing for us because we're reading the Gospel of John and it talks about John. In the Gospel of John, John, the writer of the Gospel, never refers to himself as John. He doesn't do that. So when you see John here in this first chapter, he's talking about John the Baptist not the author of the gospel. That's what you see referred to in verse 6. He says, John came to testify about the light, you know, to testify about Jesus. Now, you know, he could tell others about Jesus because in verse 9, the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, not to confuse you, but John, the writer of the gospel, then tells us more about that in Jesus' own words in chapter 12. The writer of the gospel says, uh, he's recording Jesus' words, and he says, The light will be with you for only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. You see, we are called, we are called to testify as well to this light, to tell others about Jesus, to help clarify for them who he is, to help them understand that the light has come. We tell people about Jesus for the same reason that John the Baptist told them about Jesus, so that they might believe. Not so that we can feel better. Not so that, certainly not so that we can win an argument. I don't argue with people about Jesus. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to talk with them. I'll be happy to, you know, to, to, to share with them. I, I just I don't argue with people about that. I, just, I don't argue about Jesus. I don't argue, about, I don't argue religion with people. I just don't do it. If they want to talk, I am happy to talk. They want to discuss, I'm happy to discuss. I'm happy to hear what they have to say and, you know, and then share with them you know, the, the, the truth of the Bible. But, you know, I'm, I, my goal is not to win an argument. My goal is, you know, as John the Baptist does, to help them believe. Light helps us to see things better. Light brings clarity to life. What a great picture, you know, what a, what a great picture there of the difference Jesus makes in our living. Light also 
brings comfort. Brings comfort. You know, when you're when uh, you're in the dark and you got to get from here to there in the dark, it's uh, lights a really comforting thing. I was uh, driving in this morning, and I got up early, and so I still, you know, and I came, and it's dark. You know, it's still dark out, and so I'm as I'm coming in, I'm coming down uh, uh, Flaw Road, and. Uh, I had my headlights on, but it wasn't enough for me, so I turned the brights on. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, I really like that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more light. And one of the things that's nice about that, it was a lot more light. I can see when the deer decide that uh, they need to cross the road, you know, uh, because the deer in my car just don't, they don't, they don't work well together. Uh, you know, so have that light. We, the light, the, you know, the, the light helps us see and the light brings that comfort. It brings that comfort to us, you know, to, to be able to help us, you know, see things. Now, we've probably all had those moments when we feel like maybe we don't belong. Maybe it's with a new group of people that you don't exactly know yet. You know, you want to belong. You want those connections. You want that familiarity, but it's it's just not there yet. It's kind of an uncomfortable feeling when you're somewhere and you just kind of feel you, you don't belong. Now, we also know the other side of that. We know that we know the feeling, you know, that comes from being with friends and family. Many of us have gotten together already with friends and family, you know, this season. And, we'll, you know, probably many of you have more gatherings you're going to go to where we're going to get together with friends and family. If you, know, if you don't, come on for breakfast tomorrow. You know, we'll feed you breakfast. Come tonight, you know, 6 o'clock. I, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's nice, you know. It's a nice feeling to be with groups that we feel a part of, where we feel accepted and understood, where we feel loved, where we feel part of the family. Some of us have strained relationships within our family. You know, that, uh, you know, inside we long for those connections. We see what others have, but we think there's too much baggage. You know, there's too much baggage, and, and we, we don't have those connections that we want. There's too many hurts. There's a lack of willingness, you know, to be that hallmark family that we, you know, that we see around us. And we want those connections. We want those connections we see that other people have, and they're just not there. You see, that's how it was between man and God. Strained. Maybe that's how it is between you and God now. Strained. That's not how he wants it. Jesus came, you know, he came to, to, to you know... We had a conversation with a couple last week, uh, stopped by our house, just out of the blue. I mean, uh, we didn't expect them. We had met them before. They're uh, going to be building a house in our neighborhood, and, and, and they, they just stopped by and to talk. Uh, they haven't started building or anything yet. And, um, we had met them before when we were building our house, and we'd stop and look. They were stopping, and they came in and talked. And so we're talking with them for a while, and I was outside talking with the guy, and Jenny was inside talking with the lady, and the lady looks at her and she says, "We need God in our family." It was like, "Ding!" You know, uh, uh, you know, it's it's uh, that that feeling, that emptiness that's out there, and that connection, you know, and that that connection here, and, and, and you know, God tells us, you know, everyone everyone needs God in their family, everyone needs God in their life, but not everyone realizes it. You know, some people are wrestling with deep hurts. They're real, you know, and, and they, can't, they can't see forgiveness as an option. Don't buy that lie. 
Don't buy the lie that forgiveness is not an option. You can still forgive. You say, no, I can't do it. Great, then let God do it. Let God transform your heart. Don't buy the lie that forgiveness is not an option. You know, some feel that God doesn't love them because of what they've done in their life. You know, or, or because of what happened in, in the life of someone else. Don't buy that lie. My brother bought that lie. You know, he told me, he said, Pat, I'm glad it works for you. It won't for me. Because he was told he couldn't be forgiven for some of the things he had done. Don't buy that lie. Some people feel God's not a God of love because of what went on in their family. Don't buy that lie. Some have a load of guilt, feel they can't come to God. Don't buy the lie. Look at what John, look at what John tells us, what God tells us through the writing of John there in verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God, to become part of the family. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. Jesus brings us the right to be children of God. He brings us that right to become children of God. It feels so good to be part of the family. You know, there is, there, there's a, to be part of the family, you know. I don't have to pretend to be somebody else. You know who knows me best? My family. You know who still loves me when I'm stupid? My family. Well, and you guys too. Uh, you know who put up, puts up with me when, when I'm a little out of sorts? My family. Jesus came to give us right to become children of God, part of his family. You know, part of, part of his family, there is great comfort, great comfort in knowing that you are welcome and accepted and loved. Jesus is available to all people. No matter what you have done, no matter where you have been, don't by the lie that he doesn't want you. Second Peter says, The Lord does not delay his promises as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to, come, any to perish, but all, all to come to repentance. Don't buy the lie that it's not for you. Don't buy the lie that he will shut you out. He won't. In John chapter 6, it says, everyone, everyone that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. The one who comes, I am not going to turn away. The one who comes to me, I am not going to shut him out. The one who comes to me, I'm not going to turn my back on him. The one who comes to me, I'm not going to shut him down for the things he have done. The one who comes to me, I am going to. The one who comes to me, he says, I want them to come to me. I don't want any to perish. I want all to come to repentance. And we have the comfort of knowing he'll keep his word. Look again there in verse 14 of John chapter 1. The word became flesh, took his residence up among us. We observed his glory, the, one, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Verse 16, indeed, we've all received grace from grace, you know, from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, he is the source of grace and truth. He's not just the conduit for it. He is the source. He is the originator. The light of the world comes and brings comfort by bringing us into his family, making us children of God, part of the family. That fits right in with this other last final truth, not the final blank in your outline, but and that's that light brings healing. Light brings healing. You ever have, you know, we generally have those moments wondering about what gifts to get this season. What should I get for Bartholomew? Yeah. Don't you have one of those in your family? You know, what should I, what should I, you know, will, will, will Oscar like what I'm getting him? You know, and, and, and uh, <laughs> here's a question, my, my, you know, will, will Papa need an extra large, a double XL or a triple XL? <laughs> I say, uh, Luke had spelling words at school and, um, he had to write a sentence for his words. And one of them was, um, was under. And he, said, he wrote, the dog is under the table. And it was truck. And he said, my little brother loves trucks. There was cube. I'm not sure where this one came from. I'm stuck in a cube. <laughs> and then there was huge. And he wrote, my papa is huge. <laughs> I, so, you know, there is that confusion. Do we get Papa the XL, the double XL, you know, or the, or the, or the triple XL, you know? The best gifts we get for someone is when we get them a gift that we know they really need. You know, something that they really need. A particular item of clothing, maybe. A car. A particular tool. Whatever it might be, but especially tools. Uh, you know, just, uh, there's a great feeling when we get them something that we know they really need. Christmas is a celebration of remembering that with Jesus, God gave us what we really need. Paul wrote in Romans, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We needed healing for our souls. We needed payment for our sin. If you want to try to do it on your own, good outweighs the bad, pay attention to the first part of the verse. The wages of sin have not changed. The wages of sin is still death. So if you want to try to pay for it on your own, there's the price, death. That's separation from God. That's why he gave us the gift he knew we needed, the payment for our sin. We need forgiveness. And in Jesus, God gave us that gift we needed, the healing for our souls. Now, Jesus, he's, the, he's unique as the Son of God, unique as God himself. He is the only one able to bring us healing that we need. 
In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and took up residence among us. We have observed His glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from His fullness, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Only God could give us what we need. And he did. And we celebrate the light of the world. Now as you look at your outline and you think about these truths, remember the light we're talking about here is Jesus. It's not something within man. Jesus brings life. Jesus brings power. Jesus brings clarity. Jesus brings comfort. Jesus brings healing. Receive that light. Receive that light. Receive Jesus, the gift of God. Let's pray.